Today on Greenbox, we're talking about the 2020 Shotgun Scenario Contest. We got the guy behind it, the mastermind here with us. He's been on the show this whole time. Maybe you've heard of him. I don't want to say mastermind, uh, but for the listeners, the person who used to do it, who has done it since its inception, I believe, um, messaged me and said, you know, with the pandemic this year and his obligations, he just didn't have time to do it. And because I do, as far as, far as I know, I do all the other contests, like uh, aside from the few of the smaller NATO ones, like Microfiction and Somnicon and stuff. Um, <laughs> do all the contests except the ones I don't do. Well, I mean, I, I don't, and I don't think there are any other Outside of NATO contests and the shotgun, I don't know of any other Delta Green related contests out there, but um, there could be. So he said, you want to do it? And I said, sure, absolutely. So big change this year was we we took it off Fairfield Wiki just because I don't have the ability to do anything on Fairfield Wiki. And- yeah, so current current state of the, the Fairfield website, which started as a repository for archived Delta Green fan site discussions and became the home of shotgun scenarios, this long story short is the, the original architecture, like the wiki format that it runs on, is no longer supported by the original devs. No one knows how to contact the actual guy who owns the Fairfield domain, and no one knows how to make an account to, like, post there. And um, if you guys haven't noticed, there's a there's a bot that's been inserting hyperlinks into the articles to put advertisements in them, and it's not clear to me whether that's something the dude did to cover hosting costs or whether that's just a spam bot that joined. Probably just a spam bot, yeah. And the other the other thing to know is that the whole thing could basically just disappear tomorrow. And I mean, I guess in theory, my Google Drive could disappear tomorrow, but I find that less likely. So we did it the same way of run all the other Night of the Opera contests, which is you know a, a Google Doc, and everything gets copied over to my you know to my Google, so it's all there you know in perpetuity. Um, it runs just like any other NATO contest. Um, we got. And I thought. I thought that moving it to like, oh, it's just going to be in a Google Doc somewhere. I thought that would like dramatically reduce turnout because people wouldn't care. And wow, is that wrong? Yeah, it turns out we got the most submissions ever, 75 submissions, which is insane. Uh, I was overwhelmed by that. So if you're a submitter, thank you for doing it. And uh, if you haven't submitted and want to read them, please set, set us out a month and do it. Um, the other big change this year was, well, I mean, stat blocks have always been, I guess, yeah, stat blocks have, for the most part, been allowed without counting against your word count. Um, but I, I made it a little more strict in terms of, because I didn't want to have to hunt through the document for stat blocks. I just saw, I made all the stat blocks at the end. Um, and for the most part, everybody complied, but there has been this kind of creep in scenarios to include more and more scenario-related text in the stat block section as a way to try to get more word count in and I I did I will say I won't say which ones but I did kick some back that were like really obviously um doing that and they just you know they just fixed it um hell, I think one of them was only like like a few it was like there was like 700 words and I was like you have pl- plenty of space to put those in the in the scenario text so just do it but what do you guys think about the, that that feature I'm here? I'm actually going to going to just I I know that I've I was one of the people who kept saying oh there's more and more um stuff in stat blocks. I was looking at as looking at the winning entries from previous years and for like the first five or six years, most of the winning entries were over word count. Yeah, one of them was like 4,500 words, right? Yeah, the very first winning entry is is like 4,000 words and counting and uh, some of the other ones after that are also over word count even without stat blocks, but because that year they didn't tag how many words the entries were, no one no one knows about it unless they like copy it into a, a word document and, and look. I I think there's value in like if a I don't want someone to not write a shotgun if it requires like pregens because they have to put the pregens in the in the word count and they'll be screwed that way. So I want to I want to allow people to have really cool monsters, really cool stat blocks, a bunch of artifacts, 
So that's good, and that's like that's the ultimate goal. But it is a little strange to read like two pages of scenario text and six pages of stats. I just will say that one of the things that Tom mentioned to us earlier is that he felt that things were moving in the opposite direction because he also observed a lot of scenarios that were packing away a bit too much stuff in like see the Handler's Guide about this or like see Dennis Detwiller's Patreon about this because that makes it actually kind of hard to run the scenario when you have to go careening across all your PDFs and across the internet to find all of the, the documents. But that's also like like just, just like the cheating the word count, that's also something that's appeared in lots of previous scenarios because if you go back and look at the really early Delta Green scenarios uh, in the shotgun scenarios, they were all like, yeah, go read Mortal Coils by Pagan Publishing or go read like this adventure by Chaosium to get this monster for this scenario. So uh, just for listeners here, we're going to talk about entries we submitted in a separate episode. Probably is a, we'll probably make it an after show, but you can find that at the same place you find these episodes. But we'll talk about uh, entries we liked. Who wants to go first? Uh, we could just do like one each. And you go first, Kevin. So I'm going to talk about Zombies Delta Green style. I'm going to give a very brief, very brief overview in that uh, there, uh, there's a so the way it's written is kind of because there's three the the bad guy could be one of three people and it's always the third one the players investigate so no matter which way they go down the scenario they get two interchangeable clues from the first two and it leads them to the third one I thought that was a really neat way to, to structure it uh, so that it you don't have to railroad the players and they don't know they're being I mean they're railroaded but they don't realize it I forget the phrase but it's like every time you turn left in the forest you find the cave you're supposed to find no matter what you do the quantum ogre yeah the quantum ogre thank you um, and that was neat and that takes that makes it easy for a shot as a shotgun to run because all you gotta know is the clues and they can investigate however they want I strongly dislike it was that not not the scenario as a whole but that specific part of it that specific part of it where you're you're changing the rules of the world based on like the order in which players do things there's ways to make mystery scenarios robust that don't require you to do that uh there's stuff i liked about this one i think that the the interpretation of the monsters is cool where it's sort of halfway between like a regular old zombie and like a a a last things last style creature yeah that was a neat neat little little uh thing i did kind of beat the person up with feedback in terms of i wish there was a way to solve it without shooting the monster to, to to be clear when kevin says he beat someone up in the feedback he means that that's his personal feedback not that he as the contest administrator is fucking with people yes please yeah I, I give everybody who submitted, um, or I will give them as part of the feedback document, they're going to get feedback from anybody who submits it. So my personal feed, my feedback as a contest administrator was, thank you for submitting a scenario. You're amazing. My feedback is me, the person is, I like what you do with the clues. I wish there was a non-firearm solution. So for me, I, I said, I wish there were a way to get this information without having to directly interview the people. Uh, you know, just a more adherence to like the three clue rule. Because uh, you're not ever, everyone's not always going to want to directly confront and talk to somebody about things. You know, you could have like emails, text messages, or you know, asking other people about their things. I can see that. And each each person they interview has a secret, and so obviously two of the secrets are red herrings, and that's always something to be cautious of. A red herring can really throw agents down the wrong path. So if you're going to run this, just you know, use the red herring as a way to, if you need to, but like don't don't let agents get too hooked on it and you know run your scenario off the rails. The last thing I have on my uh, feedback about this one was that it could have used a more evocative title. I think because zombies still the green style um, didn't make me feel any type of way. And it is at least it is what it says on the tin. I've actually turned. I used to really like calling things Operation Something Something, but now I kind of hate it. Um, and I realize that's a little ironic, as 
my published scenario is an operation, but like sometimes operation names like are insanely impossible for me to remember. Whereas zombies, well, like, the green like style, paging Doctor Wilson could have worked. You know, yeah, for else. sure. There's certainly other names, but I, I will say that at least it, in my mind, at least it wasn't another operation. But overall, I think I would have ran. I would run this one with some slight modifications. It's not bad, you know. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it's it's eminently runnable. My first, I voted for all five of mine, but uh, I didn't want to just do that for my choices here. So I voted. I picked the five I would have voted for if I'd voted for other people's scenarios. So the first one is called Safe Space. Safe Space is a scenario where, when I was reading it at the beginning, I hated it, but then as I got to the end, it kind of won me over. Safe Space is a scenario where you are killed at the beginning of the scenario in like a car accident, because that's usually how law enforcement officers die if they're in the line of duty. And then you wake up as a corpse, except you're not a corpse, in the hospital where lots of weird, wacky things are going on, and you have to figure out what is happening and how to escape back to the real world and be alive again. And the reason why this scenario won me over is that it has a lot of very rich detail about all the characters in it. I was told by someone that this is that every word of this is stolen from another media property, and I think that's great. I think that if you can just take something and make it a Delta Green adventure, then good for you because ideas are worthless anyone can have an idea what actually counts is buckling down and actually doing it like taking someone else's idea for a media property and making it a delta green scenario do you know what the property was like which one is stolen no i've forgotten okay because it reminds me of like um scrubs meets the mist meets the void but i don't know what property it is that with this hospital gets picked up and moved somewhere else so i I like it a lot for two reasons. Um, one is that it's a really cool way if you have a bunch of if you have a bunch of players die, uh, agents die, and you know, maybe you don't feel bad. Maybe you want to like give them a second chance. You can drop this scenario on them next and give them a chance to rescue their dead characters. So it, it doesn't have to be a car crash. It could be the end of your last you know TPK scenario. Um, and and like you know if the players can beat this one, they can earn their life back and like keep going. That's a really as a player, I'd find that really awesome. Like get a second chance on life because it's, it's not easy, but it'd be a it'd be a solid chance. Um, Goblin also- Punch guy wrote a dungeon crawl that was like that for uh, his like fantasy setting where you have an opportunity to like escape from like the lobby of the afterlife if you get killed. And then you wrote another one where you have the opportunity to like go on a uh, a road trip through like all of the hell dimensions for the same reason. There's also uh, so anything that dies in the hospital comes back, and there's a he explains that like your burger will come back up through your mouth through your throat, which I thought was just like really gross, but also really evocative. Like you know you wake up as a corpse, you're figuring out what's going on, and all of a sudden you're like <clears throat> and like you vomit your burger back out of you and like runs away. <laughs> That's a great shot. I really liked it. If you without spoiling too much, and I guess is what it is. If you leave the hospital without solving the mystery, you you just straight up die, and that isn't it isn't super well signposted. So I would be I would be annoyed as a player if I was doing what I thought meant, or let's go investigate what's outside, and it was like, are you dead? So that, I feel like that should be more more signposted. So we we talked about stat blocks a little bit, and about how some people were like using stat blocks to kind of pad out their word count a little bit. But this one takes it in a different direction. It doesn't give you like any uh, stat blocks, and then it also tells you to reference the Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition rulebook. That don't don't <laughs> yeah. do that, guys. <laughs> don't what now? Don't do that, guys. Don't reference the Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition core rulebook. That specific 
creature that you're referencing in this scenario has an entry in the Delta Green book. Just reference that. Yeah. I think that the lack of stat blocks does tamp my earlier suggestion that this was a cool adaptation just because I made a big deal about how like taking something and porting it to a, a tabletop RPG system is work, but if you're not doing stat blocks, then it's more just like writing a plot summary. I still like it, though. Yeah, and I, I think that there's there's definitely a subset of Delta Green players who uh, have like have never left the Call of Duty era. Um, and that's fine. It just and so I'm not. I didn't. I didn't say you had to write scenarios for modern Delta Green. Is what it is. Oh, that next year I'm writing like uh, what is it, Cthulhu Dark Green? I'm gonna write a scenario for that. But I liked it a lot. No, that was a good one. And if you hadn't talked about it, it was on my list to talk about. So, uh, Jake, what's your first one? All right. So, uh, like Max, I voted mostly for myself. So this is just a list of like five other ones I liked and would have voted for if I hadn't submitted anything. Uh, this one is Operation Xanthic Vista, or God Day Afternoon. This is the one where there is like a coven of witches that is knocking off a bank to recover a uh, item that an older iteration of Delta Green had placed into a safe deposit box. And you learn that they are doing rituals to stay immortal forever, but it wears off really rapidly when it wears off. I had, I had uh, one thing I liked and one thing I didn't like about this scenario. So I liked that there was a pretty interesting investigative breadcrumb trail. And I think players would probably get really into like the, there's like a bank robbery and setting incident. And that's not really the meat of the scenario, but I think they'd get into that and like do some fun investigative stuff. And I like that. It's Delta Green, like that, that kind of slow build up. Um, but I just, I mean, there's the only way this ends is a big shootout with the witches, which again is, I'm trying to get away from that in terms of what makes a good Delta Green scenario. So I wish there was. You know, I'm okay with a shootout as an easy way out, but I wish there was a like maybe a harder way that well, it wasn't a shootout that players could at least strive for. I'm going to do some of the little parallel to Kevin. One thing I like about the investigation is that there's like this really elaborate backstory with the previous Delta Green operation, and normally I kind of don't like that in scenarios, but in here you can actually figure it out. It's not just navel-gazing, it's actually playable, because you can go find the other Delta Green agents that'll tell you what's happening, but because they're all fucked up in different ways, it is work to do that. It's not just just like an exposition dump, you actually have to fight for it, but it's helpful. And Kevin, with the combat encounter at the end, I kind of agree that it's a bit of a, like, it does. this doesn't need to be a firearms meat grinder. One thing that would be super cool is if instead of having the big hostage situation, it's, it's at like this trade show, and I forget what the trade show is, I think it's for something un, uninteresting, um, but what you do instead is say like, oh, it's at this convention and you don't arrive after they take everyone hostage with guns. You arrive when they're like still there wandering around. So you have to like get through all the cosplayers and the people like playing games on the floor because there's not enough seating because Gen Con still thinks that it's like 1901. That's great. Yeah, that's and then, good. And you got to like find them. And, and because because this is a, const, a convention with all the people in costume, they're like, yo, I'm the guy from Payday the Heist. I have a suit and I have a, an armored vest and I have a big <laughs> rifle. Yeah. And so that, that way if it turns into a five by it's because you as a player screwed up rather than you're forced to or, run. or like maybe, maybe not maybe not that you screwed up maybe that's the way that things had to be but it, it's just it yeah there's more options you don't have to do a, a firefight and it's a more dynamic situation instead of just okay go tactical and blast everyone this is a good point max when i was reading scenarios this year i was trying to uh judge them not for like what they are like what they're written as but like if i were running it does this inspire me to add other stuff to yes. make it cooler or better that's what i was trying to look at this year instead of being like oh this sucks yeah so so i'll tell you this um one of my scenarios for this year 
was directly inspired by something that I wished another scenario had done from this year because I <laughs> nice. thought it was a good nice. setup yeah, and good. I missed a missed a missed uh, conclusion. And I, I think that that's an interesting path to go down because, I, as I mentioned earlier, I was reading the earlier shotgun, shotgun scenarios. A lot of the older ones and even some of the newer ones are not actually very well put together as scenarios, but they are fondly remembered because people remember exciting things about them. And that is, it's important to have stuff that sticks in the memory because I'll contrast this. Some of the, some of the earlier winning entries I have literally never heard discussed because while they are competent and straightforwardly built as scenarios, they do not have anything that causes people to remember them. And I I think that there are, there were entries this year that I could not find that much to say about, even if they were well put together. Well, it seems that we've had the discussion before, but whether the shotgun contest scenario, whether playtesting is part of a scenario or not, I'd almost love to see after the contest is over, I'd let people like rewrite them and edit them and like submit like a final version and see what, because even in mine, there's stuff that I would probably given more time would probably adjust. Oh, you mentioned you wouldn't mind rehosting people's edited versions, right? Uh, yeah, certainly. Once the contest is over, if you you know, like a, if you find a typo or you want to change some words, send me your, you know, get in touch, send me the new version, I'll, I'll put it up. Because um, again, this isn't supposed to be, you know, oh, you made a typo and it's going to live on forever, you know. So uh, my cool addition, if I were running this scenario, what I would do to it is another, like in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of the firefight at the end or whatever, there are the older members of the Switch Coven and then there are the younger members of the Witch Coven. And I think it would be cool if in the middle of the firefight, the older ones sacrificed the younger ones uh, for fuel for the rituals to make them younger or to give them more hit points or whatever. It'd be a nice like, oh shit, what are they doing? You know, they're turning on each other moment. I think that the witches didn't have quite as much personality as I'd like because I got, I wish Tom was here. Cause one of the things that I really like when he does scenarios about witches and covens and shit is that all of the members of the coven are like Mega Man style robot masters. They got their own <laughs> yep. personality. They got their own theme. And that, that's something that this one, I didn't feel quite, hit home with because like even even the, the thing is i'm just very in love with all my npcs especially the really evil piece of shit ones and i think that it's fun to make villains that have a lot of personality i can see that i just my, my concern would be that players who are good at the first part won't it might not it might not be good at the second part and it would be frustrating as a player um but you know involving the convention more would be a fun way to make that a little more uh palatable all right kevin did you have another one to talk about yeah, the next one I want to talk about is the stars are right for pizza. Okay, this is one of those like false flag scenarios, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so and that's kind of what I liked uh, in some ways. So this is about a, a pizza joint that has there's some strange things going on. Delta Green goes to investigate, um, and there's a, you know there could be a confrontation when some guys in robes show up, but it, it it all ends up being like mundane. And there's no you know they're just a bunch of drunk you know role players and they're brewing beer and you know like to have a good time. Uh, and I like. Uh, I would be. I, I'm always cautious about a false flag because you can set the tone in the wrong direction. But I think it would be. It might not, might be a nice fake out if you have a lot of players who are really overzealously gun happy. It's a way to be like, look, sometimes a pizza joint is just a pizza joint, and you need to like investigate. You can't just shoot everything. Um, I did like the uh, 
there's there's maps and stuff included, which one of one of my biggest things I look for in shotgun scenarios like could I pick this up and run it with minimal prep? And if I'm given maps, then you know that it's a huge help and it lets me, you know, set the stage for the players. Everybody is on the same floor or everybody's on the same page and knows what's going on. That's really helpful. So that was a nice inclusion. Um and I and I think what I liked about the false flagginess of it is a competent investigative team would isn't forced into a fight necessarily. You know, they they can get in there if they don't just like smash the place. If they go in, you know, using you know some stealth and not using some actual tradecraft, they can realize that everything is actually above board. Nothing there is too spooky, and they could even they could even leave before anything happens. Then you have a you know that would be a good reward for them. What do you guys think? I wrote the same review for this scenario that I wrote for several other scenarios this year. I wrote uh, the 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 other three flash false flags. Yes, I wrote. A short and straightforward encounter where the real mystery is realizing there is no mystery. This has been done before and done better, but there's nothing wrong with this execution of the concept. Yeah, it's a neat, it's an interesting idea. Um, I I don't know if I would like it. The pizza parlor with the weird uh, brew stuff that is supposed to be like um, like it looks like it's part of some like bones that are floating in the ritual tank, but it's just like a broth or something, right? Yeah, it's like bone broth, and they're just experimenting with a new recipe or something. And the blood is supposed to be like pizza sauce or something. So it's it's not it's um it's a very interesting scenario, I think. But um, I think the blood is blood, but it's like leftover from the bone broth or whatever. And like every, everything you find, like there's a there's like a skull with a swastika on it. But if you actually investigate, oh it, yeah, 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 but just, the swastika is facing the opposite. It's just way. an old Hindu. You know, kitschy little Hindu item that has been around for a long time. You know, and the, so if you, oh, I see bones in here. All right, get the gun out. Oh, well, let's investigate. Oh, they're, they're cow bones. All right, maybe this is in a restaurant. Maybe this is just, you know, cow bones. So I did like that. I agree that there's, it's, it's, it's been done better other ways, but I didn't think this was done poorly. I'm going to tell a, a very short and moderately related story that I think can slot right into this with no problem. Uh, I'm, I'm on, so picture this. I'm, I'm on the way back, uh, coming, back to Seattle from the ferry, I think Kingston, and we go past a pizza restaurant, and the pizza restaurant is uh, Cabela Pizza. Um, on the on the sign outside Cabela Pizza is an image of uh, a Greek lady with some lions. Do you guys know who Cabela, the Greek lady with the lions, is? You know which god that is? Shavnigurath. Uh, That's the Magna Mater. Yeah. That's the Magnumator. That's that's Cabell, the goddess of Phrygia, whose priests worshipped her by castrating themselves in imitation of the divine Attis. So everything in Delta Green that is written about the Scopsi is actually more closely based on the original cult of Cabell. So that's that's a fun diversion. It's a very strange thing to name a pizza parlor after, because... Cabell is not like one of the more popular gods. She's not even really Greek. She's from basically what we would consider, I think, Turkey now. It's uh, it's a bit of a pull. It's like naming your um, your like uh, burger store after Priapus, because your burgers have a big swing of dick and eight inches of foreskin. <laughs> anyway, that's a, a, a moderately pizza conspiracy related tale. Well, the last thing that this world needs is more uh, conspiracies around pizza I, parlors. When I started reading this, I was like, oh, God, is this going to be a, a, a QAnon pizza It's going to be thing? another there's artifacts in there. So I am. So maybe the reason I like it is like, I'm glad it wasn't that. That's true. That's fair. Yeah, it's, it's a version of, of, of um, like, the, low, the, the usual, like, low effort torn from the headlines. This could be a scenario, but I'm not going to write it up. Uh, Max, what was your next one you want to talk about? My next entry is Oswalt's Dolls. For 
Oswalt's Dolls is a scenario that recalls to me a short story by uh, Ligotti. Uh, something statuesque is approaching her. It radiates a field of dynamic tension that grows more intense the closer it comes, its shadow lengthening upon the floor. Still, she cannot turn around to see the horror behind her, for at this point she cannot move her body, which is stiff-jointed and rigid. Perhaps she can scream, she thinks, and makes an attempt to do so. <laughs> but this fails, because by then there is already a firm and tepid hand that has covered her mouth from behind. The fingers on her lips feel like thick, naked crayons. Then she sees a long, slim arm extending itself over her left shoulder, and a hand that is holding some filthy rags before her eyes and shaking them, making them dance. And at that moment, a dry, sibilant voice whispers into her ear, It's time to get dressed, little darling. She tries to look away, her eyes being the only things that she can move. Now, for the first time, she notices that all around the room, in the shadowed places, are people dressed as dolls. Their forms are collapsed, their mouths open wide. They do not look as if they are still alive. Some of them have actually become dolls, their flesh no longer supple, their eyes having lost the appearance of teary moistness. Others are at various intermediate stages between humanness and dollhood. With horror, the dreamer now becomes aware that her own mouth is open wide and will not close. That's what I thought of when I read the scenario. I thought of the episode of Parks and Rec where Ben is depressed and he's making a stop-motion film. Yes. And, and he says, do you think a depressed person could make this? Yeah, this is a really creepy, depressing doll. This is, yeah. a, this is a scenario that when you like read the prose and stuff, is kind of clumsy, but I lo- the, the, um, the, the content is strong enough to carry it. Yeah, out of the content, I thought the sanity penalties were... A little overly harsh. Yes. Yeah. Big same. Big um, same. But it needs to be easier to find your way to the Dreamlands area because that's super cool, and I don't want it to get lost. Yeah. That this is the most novel take on Dreamlands that I've seen in a while, and I really dig it. I think I think that um, the epistemology is a little hard to like socket into the Delta Green world, but I love that it exists in the Dreamlands like as a metaphor and as like a social fear that people have that. It's similar, it's sort of like the button, the revelation that, you know, universe is deterministic, blah, 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 that there's a physical manifestation of the dreamlands. That's good. And the other thing that really stuck with me, and part of the reason why I put this on my list, is that there's different manifestations of it for all the artists that are all unique. Yeah, that gave it some neat character, which I liked. It's a pretty good scenario, and uh, just listening to you guys talk about it, I've changed my mind on it, because I said I wouldn't, I said no, I wouldn't run this, but I love the idea. I think I might give this a shot sometime. I would just knock a zero off all the sanity losses, and I think it'd be fine. Like, like seeing seeing the dollhouse causing 10 on a success is, like, exceptionally soul-crushing. Maybe that's the point, Kevin, you ever think about it, how meaningless your life is and how not, anxious you are all the time? Yeah, but not for that extent of damage. <laughs> Um, I did think it was neat that uh, ADHD drugs like protect you from the from the bad things. Yeah, you can get a nice addiction disorder at the end of the yeah. operation. Okay, uh, well, the next one I want to talk about is, and you guys are going to make fun of me because I don't know how you pronounce this, uh, Arano Man? Arono Man? That's how fine. That's fine. So this is the one where there's an archaeological dig, and um, the way I interpret it, you're supposed to be like non-Delta Green people, like you're an anthropologist or an archaeologist, and you're a local cop, and there is this dig site where they find some things that seem out of place, and then over the course of the next couple of days, a crowd comes, and the crowd has white nationalists in it, and the bodies that you're finding in the safe storage locker... Uh, that were dug up from the site have changed as well. And then at the end, it turns out there's like some white supremacists and they're 
got a time machine and they're spending uh sending someone back in time to try and you know make this like their land this was neat because I could tell the person who wrote it has a either did a lot of research or has worked in that field because there was definitely a lot of realistic like the tension on the dig side between natives and and diggers and stuff was like to me it felt like someone who who'd been around that that archaeological world so that was cool added a lot of realism to it um the only thing I, I, that I that I kind of hit the, the the writer with was it there's not enough to me there's not enough clues to get agents really involved like I mean you could force them but as written at least some agents might not engage with it i think when you, once you start seeing you know the time travel and the white nationalists and stuff there's a lot more to it but somebody just may never get there so i would want more of a strong hook in the beginning to get agents involved the connective tissue is a little thin and i think it would benefit from an executive summary that actually tells the handler what the hell's happening because it was i i did not follow like how the the nazi plot like leads to all of these developments in the ancient past like, I, I figure, like, okay, they're sending people back in time and they're all getting killed. But, like, every time there's, like, a new revision, I kind of lose it. I lose the plot. And I think, in general, having an executive summary at the beginning that's that's just focused solely on telling the person that's supposed to be running the game what happening, what happening, what is happening, is something that we need more of. Especially with the time travel scenario. Yeah, the, the, the actual, like, fates of each of, like, the guys that goes back in time to, like, fight with the primitive Grugs is, or, or um, I, I don't know what, what you call them, Paleo-Indians? Like, the people who are here in the really, really ancient times. That, but but those, those guys are, are, um, are that's, a, that's a very, like, evocative, there's, like, a lot of fun detail. I think Kevin is right when he said that the details in this one are really good. I miss the big picture. I would have liked some more specifics about the time machine. Uh, they offer you a perhaps it's this or perhaps it's that, but I would have liked for it to have been something uh, sort of more defined. Sometimes I think in shotgun scenarios that happens because they didn't have the extra like 400 words to explain it, so that was what they had to cut, uh, which sometimes that's what has to happen in a shotgun, but you know, maybe there could have been cuts elsewhere. And another thing that I thought was funky, but maybe it's a good thing, uh, as the the neo-Nazis go back in time and they change things and in the far-flung future, things on the map change, would the players notice that but not the player characters? You know, this has always been, you know, Smithville. What do you mean? This is, you know, what it was named something else before. Yeah, you're right. That'd be, that'd be something that might come up when you don't have a, a straight answer for it. It's just sort of like a out-of-character moment where the players can realize something's wrong, but perhaps the player characters haven't. And I thought that was neat. I don't know if they intended to do that or not, but that's what I would do if I were running it. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, who's next? Um, I want to talk about Operation Locked Room, which is okay as an operation name because it directly speaks to what it's about. <laughs> so I'll give it a pass there. Um this is about a series of. Uh, this is about a, a, a keen yellow related book that gets out and starts, you know, doing some bad things. Uh, you know, there's some, yeah, you know, kills some people, uh, and you go in to investigate. It turns out that there's this, um, there's a uh, family, and one of them has gotten super into Haster and is trying to bring Haster back by, you know, putting yellow signs on things. And the other guys, they're writing the books, but it's kind of un- unwilling in the in the uh, the whole escapade. Um, what I liked about it, one, I had to give it some credit because it's set in Wairika, which is this no, no name, this is, which is just nothing town in California where I set a bunch of my scenarios. So, so I was just like, oh, that's that's neat. <laughs> uh, so maybe there's something about Wairika that we don't all recognize. Um, I did like 
you know, I, the, I like the fact that the scenario starts with a bunch of bodies dropped already, so it gives the agents kind of a little bit of a time pressure um, to investigate and try to figure out what happened. Um, you know, because there's plenty of bodies dropped, there's like plenty of places for clues and plenty of um, plenty of ways to investigate. Um, it kind of lacks a climax. I mean, I imagine the climax is going to be the agents kicking the door and shoot everybody. But if there's, there maybe could have been a more written, more interesting climax, but it could have got cut for space. I'm not sure. I have an automatic negative affect towards scenarios about Carcosa and the King in Yellow because they're kind of all the same at this point. I did like this one using like a kind of novel monster because everyone's always like, oh, the night floors, the mannequins. But this one actually has like two different types of mannequins that have their own like unique mechanics and so on for when you get in a big mannequin brawl at the end. So that was good at least. See, uh, the weird mannequin brawl at the end actually kind of breaks some of the immersion for it for me because uh, I thought there were way too many of the guests. The end could kind of devolve into like a weird frantic shootout rather than, you know, the sort of introspective investigatory scenario that the beginning of it is. I can see that. This I feel like there were definitely some scenarios that would benefit from a revision that adds another, you know, 600 words. And this might be one of those scenarios. I feel like I feel like such a fucking like boomer. Maybe maybe boomer's not the right word, but like but like me thinking like, oh my king and yellow scenarios that I did are good because I got an early and everyone else is a fucking Johnny come lately who should move on to greener pastures. And that's not fair at all, because I you know, just having like I, I wasn't actually early. There were people plenty of people who wrote before me. Um but I don't know. I just it it's 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 totally unfair and arbitrary of me, but that's the way that I feel about it is that I would I'm I'm pretty much automatically in my head marking things down for for doing that. It's kind of like everybody's got to have their keen yellow scenario, and once they yeah, write, yeah they everybody's got to write stuff. at least yeah. one. Just I think to see it, if you I can. think it's fine, and 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 this is like the investigation point A leads to point B leads to point C. Like they get you know you can string stuff together so people don't get stuck, which is great. And having I'll tell, I'll tell you this. Um, Having a mannequin-based brawl at the end of a King and Yellow scenario is not a terrible thing, because I remember Tormson, when he ran his alternate history game set in the Imperial United States, that game ended with a mannequin brawl, and it was rad as fuck. Oh, maybe I could be wrong. He was cat. There we we were like hanging out, and there was like a. Um, you know, we'd, we'd found the villain. The villain was like, all right, motherfuckers, you think that you're so good at detecting things for the Imperial United States? Why don't you detect this, asshole? And then he cast the mannequin spell. <laughs> so there was a bunch of mannequins. It, I mean, we still, he still got shot. There was still like a, it, was, it was pretty much a, a bog-standard firefight, but it just had flavor to it. And maybe that's the important thing. Maybe even if something is a little, like, been done before, if you can add flavor to it, then that's fine. And that that's why this is okay. Oh, that reminds me. I'd also like to say that the, the noir... Novel Haster is cool. It's a good, yeah, good it, take it on it. Yeah, not being another play, it being in a different type of the, uh, book is a neat. Uh, at least they're trying to put their own twist on it. I'll give them that. I've been I've been like binge watching some noir movies, trying to get ready to play in a noir Delta Green scenario. Someone's going to run, so I've been appreciating that even more. You know what I liked about when you were streaming those that movie Maltese Falcon, Jake? That something like Delta Green could use more of. Um, there's lots of times when characters have the opportunity to kill each other. Like, it'd be very easy when simplify things. Yeah, And yeah. They, they almost never do it. Like, the the movie begins with these murders, but then right after that, everyone's like, um, you know, I'm going to hold you a gunpoint and search your house, and you better not do anything about it or I'll kill you. And then the protagonist is like, yeah, whatever. And then he immediately hits the guy, takes the gun. And just that happens it, so much. And it, but, but he, it's, he get, so, it's a trope of the genre. I've but noticed. it's not. But it's not just that. It's that like killing people 
doesn't actually solve your problems because in fact, it makes more. It doesn't yeah. tell you where the fucking Maltese Falcon is for one, and right. for secondly, it creates another corpse that just has to, that can is going to be traced back to you. The other thing I like about that is that in noir stories, the police are typically very incompetent and corrupt, and in this one, they are. Um, actually like real characters like they get in the way and they fuck with like the protagonist and ruin his schemes but they are it's like it's a much more interesting character because it's not just uh bumbling idiots yeah the harness balls that fucking ruin everything yeah that's good aside uh Um, for this anything else about locked room for for locked room uh i think that making it more noir would have been better like imagine that there's like some kind of pulp hero or villain that is based on some of your Carcosa-based lore. Like, uh, yeah, in it they have uh, the the Smoky King is the jazz musician. Uh, yeah, do the, more of the that. Is, uh, Casilda Castillain, who has uh, trying to find the killer of her Make sister. Make that happen Camille. in this scenario. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's actually a really good idea. Like, like I, I I'm always the one who says like be more pulp, and in this case, literally be more pulp. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. So, so, um, thank, thank you for bringing this up, Kevin, because I feel like I went from being very negative, overly so, to coming up with stuff that I liked. What's next on our list? My next scenario. My next scenario is Xfield Cakewalk. Xfield Cakewalk is a Pisces scenario, and I have a very good idea about who did it. Yeah, XXX is right there in the description. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know who did it. Too. <laughs> yeah. His formatting makes it very obvious who did it, and it is a scenario about being some low-level Pisces characters, Pisces being, like, British Delta Green, and you are these low-level Pisces characters, and you are told, go burglarize this museum. And when I first read it at the very beginning, I thought, I'm going to hate this because this is a heist, and heists are always awful because they're 90% planning, and planning sucks. But this scenario is not about that. This scenario is about going to a location full of interesting things that can happen and cool set pieces and being set upon by a group of flavorful NPCs with their own motivations, bringing characters to the table that are exactly the right amount of competence for a low-level threat so that you aren't just running roughshod over these bumbling NPCs ripping them apart with firearms rolls and you aren't just having to run away from everything because your guy is a computer scientist and the enemy is, you know, a monster with 90% firearms. It is a mix of almost everything I like in Delta Green. And come to think of it, I probably should have put it higher on my would-have-voted-for list. The pre-gens, we said earlier we'd talk about pre-gens and what they're role is in a shotgun scenario. And I'll just finish my monologue here by saying I think that pregens have a place in shotgun scenarios because it means that you can pick up and play a scenario even if it's not set in present day Delta Green playable with any type of Delta Green character. Definitely. Yeah, pregens are a huge addition here. And they're they're you know they're really small stat blocks. It gives you just the basics. So just what you need to play them. The motivations have enough personality to suggest what this character is like. Even stuff yes. like this guy's bond, who's a band with his band, the Krusty Jugglers, like that—that that tells you something about this character without having to tell you a bunch of stuff about this character. If I were running this, I would not have the players plan the heist. I would have them start off the scenario executing the heist retroactively, with like Blades in the Dark style, say that you planned shit beforehand, so that I don't have to sit and just be tortured 
by endless circle going arounding and the players don't have to be tortured by it, we can just get to the part of this that is good, which is the stuff that is written down and not endless thinking about how to get past the security guard. Like the pregen, the bonds, notches on the bedpost. Just a notch in your bedpost, but you're just a line in my stat block. Well, here's the thing. That pregen fucks, and they fuck so hard that all, <laughs> all of their, all of the people that they have fucked together collectively form a gestalt that protect them from sand damage. <laughs> uh, so my, my comments on this one was that it, it uses the shotgun medium like to the maximum effect. It's got like nothing but ideas and encounters, and it uses all of its words on that, and that's pretty great. Yeah. Really, really, and, and what I love, you know, I've said this every, if you go back through all my old shotgun scenario and scenario breakdown episodes, you can probably make a super cut of me talking about how I like when things are like bolted, because it's really easy. Your eye goes, okay, unnatural here. Okay, this is a navigate. Okay, you know, this is important about ghosts or zombies. It really helps your eye go to it. When you're trying to run a shotgun scenario and your players are running, you know, a, a thousand miles an hour, it makes it really easy to find things in the document. So I can't overstate how useful that is. Uh, the other thing I had to say about this one was that it has very strong Hellboy uh, BPRD vibes. And that's good. Yeah. yeah. yeah in all the right that's ways. A, yeah. That's a good thing. Uh, th- so I, can I say who made it? I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure that right. you and I have the same suspicion. So. Ob- obtuse has not always, but the vast majority of the time is on my same wavelength of make shit more exciting. Like, from even 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 the stuff that he does that's very grounded, like uh, Big Wheel, it's about drones and shooting people with drones. It's a very you know torn from the headlines. That one is one that's full of exciting shit. Uh, the one negative thing I have to say about this one though uh, was there's a I think it's the ghost who possesses you, and it says that opposed tests are against POW twenty, which means uh, that, that that thing's pretty much always going to win. Um. No, because wait, it's no. It should you know? Yeah, you're right. It should have been pound nineteen because that way he. Well, no, no, no. Because because he's not always going to win. He's going to pass, but he will not always win. He will yeah. automatically crit on twenty or lower. Um, I think he should have been pound nineteen because that way he's still very likely to win, but he doesn't get the automatic crits. Yeah, he doesn't have a better chance of critting. Yeah, but but that's um that's immaterial. That's no pun intended. It's super small. Yeah, you could <laughs> yeah. you could change that yourself. That's a good pun. Uh. Yeah, um, and that go the ghost like it, here's the thing. Uh, refresh my memory because I don't have it open. When the ghost possesses you, do you get to keep playing as the possessed character and be like, "I'm I'm Sir Victor von Victorian Man, and I want to drink and fuck." Yeah, a possessed PC's player runs Elijah. Uh, stats at the end. His goal is okay, to good. a fleshy body and run wild. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Elijah. I hope someone left out wine for me. And I would totally use that as an excuse. He's, he likes opium. <laughs> I would totally use that as an excuse if, if I could tell one of the players wasn't into the pregen they picked. That's the one who I'd have possessed. Yeah. I'm like, oh, not having fun? <laughs> now you're a ghost. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Very, very strong entry. Good job. Uh, who's next? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So this is, uh, I had a suspicion about the last one and who its author was. And I had a suspicion about this one. This scenario is Frostbite. It takes place in the winter of 1949 in Siberia. You play as a bunch of GRU SV8 people who go to a camp where there's some cannibalism and stuff. This is the worst part. It's a writer. It's just a complete hack. All he does is crap on King and Yellow scenarios. So I was right. Yeah. <laughs> so 
So the, I'm gonna say, Melon Bread, you little sneaky little bastard. I know this is your scenario. It was me, Jake. Yeah, it yeah, was me all along. You sneaky little bastard. You got me to admit that I liked one of your scenarios. You all bought it. <laughs> Isn't this? Didn't you specifically write this one in an almost not Melon Bread style? Try to fool me. Yeah, yes. he changed the formatting. Look like you, you know. You know what though? Um, that motherfucker top hat comes back to me and he says, "I know you wrote this one because you used a capital D." for the damage die size. Yes! yes. <laughs> yes. Undone. Undone by Top Hat. And, and like he says, I know that you did this because even though you made the stat blocks for all the pregens and the rest of the scenario different, you still, for the monster stats, use the old melon bread format of not specifying that the die refers to the damage and just assuming that people recognize it. So, uh, for this one, special thanks to Grandini for doing an amazing job playtesting it. He did a really good job, and it helped me make the scenario better. And the other thing for this one is that I was actually inspired to write this by another shotgun scenario this year. One of the very first submissions is one about a town in Alaska where people are, like, getting contaminated from meat. Right, you're talking about Shiver. Yes, and Shiver, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, cool, it's going to be like that story from uh, Gulag Archipelago about all of the Zeks eating a bunch of creatures that they found in a frozen riverbed from the prehistoric times and getting sick and becoming monsters. But no, it was just a, a dude found a book and read it. And I was like, you know what? I can bitch and whine that other people didn't do exactly what I wanted, or I can do what I always do, and if I want something written, I write it. Yeah. Just to say something about Shiver real fast while you bring it up. Um, I had two things. A vegetarian agent could get through that scenario unscathed, just like how someone who's really OCD could get by in Convergence. Without, yes. Um, and, just um, never never eating anything and just drinking like only your own urine is the way to survive in Delta Green. <laughs> Bear Grylls would win. Um, and the second thing I had to say was that it subverted my expectations because I was expecting it, you know, it's an Alaska scenario, I was expecting it to be Ithaca, but then it was like a Shabnigarath monster. I like that so. you say you say his name um, just as, like, the place in New York. That's really gorgeous. I was of the place in Greece. It's really gorgeous of you. <laughs> But anyway, uh, about that one, uh, we were talking about Frostbite. So um, I wanted to say that I really liked the monsters in Frostbite. Yes. Um, and uh, because they have their own ability to like uh, create their own sort of shadows to strike from, like rogues in 5th edition. Yes, they make their own water. And the trick was to make them just like the right level of dangerous and like villainous and bad, but also like something that you can deal with by just saying, hey, just fuck off. Yeah, and the, the fire doing extra damage against them is good too. Because like you yeah. give the players flamethrowers. So. Because in Delta, it's cause, the reason I did that is that in Delta Green, mechanically, a flamethrower is actually a, a useless weapon. It does worse damage than just throwing a grenade every turn and has a lower chance to hit. Um, and the other thing that I really liked about it was the uh, random generation table. Because you know, you know that gets me. The random generation table for the Gulag inmates. That's pretty good. And uh, what else? Uh, the flavorful and functional pregens. Yeah, that one. That that one I fucking cheated on by putting like a lot of description for the pregens, and then I had the gall to like say, "Well, Jake put too much content on his scenarios <laughs> behind the stab blocks, and he really should know better." Because I'm just gonna take all my scenarios and put them in a 
big box and say that's a table that you roll on a D1, and I'll have zero words. No, but uh, <laughs> the thing about the it. pregens is that they're one page, so you could just print them out and hand them out. Yeah, so this it's, is, it's this is definitely a runnable scenario, which, as, as we know, is good for me. So, 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 the, but, 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 because I put so much shit in the back, like the pregens and stuff, that did make the overall length a lot longer. Because basically, the more the more like immediately usable you make something by putting the reference material inside of it instead of having it be like forcing people to reference an external text and make their own GRUSVA characters and stuff. The more the more stuff that you leave out like that, the shorter your thing is going to be, but as a result, it's not immediately pick up and play because you have to like, well, I guess my table doesn't have these characters from this country from this year. Yeah, I mean I will say it's there's 2000 words of non-scenario text, give or take. Oh man, it's just scenario and a half, Max. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I also I like I like the the gulag or the you know the camp as a as a setting. Um, I know back I think at our first Gen Con, uh, I don't know if you were there at the time, Max, or you were in the room at the time. But I know me and my friend James tossed around some sort of a gulag, you know, like stuck in a big mind gulag idea for a scenario. Um, it's just never you know it's never gone anywhere since then. But it's cool, so cool to see when someone does something like that. There's a huge amount of detail that could have gone in that would have added flavor to that section of it but it was not ultimately that helpful or worth removing other things for one thing that i've noticed uh as a trend from the original days of the contest to the present day is that many of the older entries were here is a collection of interesting things that you can improvise and iterate on and the present day submissions are largely, maybe not largely, but a lot of them are, I wrote a regular scenario and then removed extraneous words until it fit. And that that has resulted in something that is not necessarily true to the original vision, but is, like, I think a lot easier to actually run. Uh, so the, I, I, only, I, only, I only ended up with four that I really wanted to talk about, so, but we've talked about other ones, and so we're not really keeping track here. But um, best used by a uh, scenario where... Agents find out that there's some there's, there's some tainted meat that turns you know turns animals into these really aggressive creatures, um, and they have to go over you know it got out by accident. They got to go recover it. Um, and there's there's a couple of things I really, really liked about it. One is it's you know it's, it's well laid out in terms of you know concise bullet points that just give you a pretty clear plan to follow. But I've talked about that in a million scenarios today. The thing I liked about scenario wise is so you you, know, you load, load up your agents in the van. You, you find you you kind of understand what what the monster might be. You rush off to these to these locations, and the first you got to go to three different places to pick up this tainted meat. And the first two go totally normal. So those are the first two. You're you're probably going to be like wicked on edge. You're going to be you know did did any meat get sold? Where is it all? Let's make sure it's all here. You know you might throw your badges around. You, know, you might act really crazy. And then as you start to let your guard down, the third one is the one where you know something has gone wrong, um, which you know isn't exactly. You know, you know, Grammy winning well, Grammys or music isn't really you know Emmy award winning <laughs> writing, but it, it pull, isn't really Pulitzer winning writing, but it works. It's going to give the agents are going to go you know from amped up to a little less amped up to okay, whereas what's going to happen now? To, oh, something's happening. So I like that. I think it'd be I think it would work in gameplay. I hadn't even considered that because I was thinking, man, the first part of this is really boring. You should get to the part where there's the Cujo meat monster, but that's a good good bit about pacing there. Of all the scenarios in this pack based on tainted meat, this one was definitely my second favorite. <laughs> I do like that there's multiple. Uh, the, the, this one, uh, 
I do like that the focus is on like the dog getting getting the the becoming the meat monster rather than the guy. I think that's a fun twist. Plus, nobody wants to shoot the dog. It does feel like a shotgun scenario in terms of you know it's it's pretty quick and punchy. You know it's you know once the job's done, the job's done. It's not this like massive conspiracy to uncover, uh, which I like. Yeah, it's it's. I know I just I just claimed that scenarios had become regular scenarios that were then chopped to fit. This one is more like the old days where it's just a very small thing. Yeah, it's not a bad one. Um, I had this one as like, yeah, I'd run this because it's, you know, it's just pretty good. Could be fun for a con game, you know, yeah. if you, or, you know, again, if you, you guys are eating, you go, you, uh, you have to play this at a burger restaurant. If you have, um, this is something where I, I like scenarios. You can, if you have really gun hap, trigger hap agents, this is one you could run because the first two stops you could, you know, like, like at the second stop, the shift lead like offers to help you load the meat up and like a super parent agent would be like, no, you can't go here or near it. And which, but that, yeah, but that's like the guys are trying to help or like, Hey, we get guys, we got some coffee. Like, oh, it's poisoned. You know, it's like, so again, sometimes you just want to show them that a pizza, show, pizza joint is just a pizza joint. And this might be one of those scenarios that can help you, um, you know, Put, get the guard lowered. Help you. Yeah, exactly. Help me show that. And it could be your fault. You might run, you know, six meat grinders in, in a row. What do you want agents to do? I was thinking to shoot uh, them. No moves. pun intended. Yeah, right. So whoever wrote this, solid entry. Uh, I would put this at a Publix so that they could awkwardly talk to you. Because every time, every time I go into Publix, they make really awkward conversation with me and they're, my wife. They're supposed to. I mean, uh, for, con- for, for context, Kevin and I know someone who's a Publix manager, and I asked him, "Did they do they purpose? Do they make awkward conversation on purpose?" And they say, "We tell them to engage in conversation with every customer." There's there's a famous bit by this Welsh comedian. God, I wish I could remember his name. And it's about um, his wife sends him to purchase like a a. a a device is what he calls it from a store called Ann Summers, which is a sex shop. And he said that, okay, I, I was just going to walk in and, you know, purchase the device and get out. And then here's the problem is that they overtrain the staff. So you go in there and immediately you get set upon and they ask you, what are you using? <laughs> uh... Well, see at Publix, uh, the customer, the, the people checking us out always ask, because my wife's a vegetarian, so we get some like alternate meat products because Publix is the best place to go for those. And they always ask her, does this taste like real meat? And she has to be like, well, I, I wouldn't know. I don't remember what real meat tastes like because I haven't had it since I was a child. And it's just an awkward, awkward conversation from that point on. Oh, just like your comment. It's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What's next? Uh, Max's next one. All right. I got a tainted meat scenario. This is my first favorite tainted meat scenario in the pile. This one is called... Eat, pray, love. And this scenario is... Remember last year there was a scenario called Takeout Container, and it had a lot of fun details, but it wasn't actually a scenario? Uh, vaguely, yeah. This is like if someone took that and made it a scenario. <laughs> yeah. This is this is just like... It's a grindhouse pile of like, here's gore exploding all over everything, here's a, a cannibal, here's... Uh, um. Uh, like a bunch of like like they, like part one of the story elements is that there's uh, a ghoul who's been like collecting all the other ghouls that are just wandering the streets because someone is irresponsibly making people into ghouls, and he's like, hey, I'm just keeping them in my basement because they don't know any better, and they're gonna they're gonna start attacking people if they, if I don't teach them the proper way, and then it it uses like Gollynak in a novel and flavorful way because he's kind of a one trick pony, so you gotta you gotta pump the gas to make that interesting and it's just a lot of fun stuff yeah th- this would be another great con scenario it wasn't immediately clear to me uh what because it, it's just there as the kittens and i it wasn't immediately clear to me what was happening to them 
Um, I had to read it once or twice to realize, oh man, these people are turning into ghouls. Well, one of them, one of them is a guy who literally um, can only meow. He doesn't, oh, not can only meow, but will meow because he's eaten more cats than people, and so he thinks that he is a cat sometimes. Because ghouls have a problem where, when they are inexperienced and they eat brains, they believe that they are the person whose brain they've eaten. Um, other comments about this one is that it's this is wicked short. Uh, this is like last things last, like connective tissue wise. It's the restaurant, the manager, the warehouse, you know, like it, it just goes like that really, really short, really quick. But there's definitely action, which is nice. It doesn't screw around. Th- th- there's a spell in there that lets you uh, get really fat. There's one, get really fat, whatever. But there's one that lets you buff your persuade and convince people of stuff that they normally wouldn't even consider. So you you really can, as we discussed in the pre-segment, drop into a Discord, drop in everyone, and say, let's fuck. <laughs> Get banned immediately. No, you won't, because you got this buff active thanks to the big man Gollinak. This one, th- like... Like, like these spells seem like stuff that if the player care, if the players out of character actually knew what they did, they'd totally want on their character. Because who doesn't want like their character to be able to just walk into like the, the the Russian you know Tajbegspeak Bradfa human smuggling operation, and be like, hey, you know what would make you guys really magically powerful is if you fed yourself to that moon beast over there. <laughs> Uh, do you guys know who wrote this one? It was yeah. It was yeah, British I was, I was top hat say, yeah. and one other musketeer. Yeah, uh, Litho, I think. I know Litho ran it for us. Um, I played in this one. What did you think of it? Um, it was interesting. I, I actually, it was a two-parter. I don't know how they stretched this into two parts, but uh, I, I came in on the second part um, and was there when we infiltrated the warehouse. And uh, it, was, it was pretty neat uh, running into the big fat man, Thomas the Fat. What do you guys think about meta-wise uh, multi-author shotgun scenarios? They're fine. And I'm curious, oh, right. you're, going, you're going back and reading a bunch of them. Is it a tra- new trend or is it a, has it been going on forever? It has been going on at least since uh, Wormwood, which I think was like 2010, 2009? I know somebody asked me in, in my brief, very brief skim through, the only other multi-entry I found I think was yours from last year. But I certainly did not canvas every scenario. What happens if it wins? Uh, well, so they asked me, and I said, "Look, uh, the person who you know that's going to get the prize, and they can share it however they want. Ah, okay. They're not going to get triple prizes." <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a this is an entry that I liked, and that's why I chose it. Uh, what's your next one, Jake? Um, this was a late entry, and I hope that um, someone didn't miss out on uh, being able to vote for it because it got lost in your email. I think. Uh, it got lost in someone's email, yes. Uh, the unnatural person. Uh, this is the one uh, that probably invoked the strongest sense of rage from me because I hate dealing with sovereign citizens in real life. <laughs> Same. Um, and it is the one where a sovereign citizen buys a pamphlet from somebody and it uh, makes him uh, basically a clone of him. Um, and they're both in custody right now, and it's one of those scenarios where you have to figure out who the real person is. I think that that might be the weakest. I mean, I like the scenario, but the weakest part might be you've really got to role play that, and if that's not your strong suit, yeah, not, then you might. This would I would not. It could have used more flavor this, yeah. details on what this type of person is actually like, because I'm not going to go watch YouTube videos to to run this. Um, what, that said, if you think you can do it, like. Or, you, or if you have a background where you can think you can do the roleplay, it probably would be awesome as a player. I think uh, that 
the thing the thing I do like about this is that there is um, a a built-in like what if the players just say kill both of them? Well, then the hunting horror gets loose. Because I did I did a similar kind of bait and switch with baby on board. It's always good to have something in your back pocket for if the players choose violence. Well, you know what? I can choose violence too, but maybe a little bit harder. You don't always have to like include a, a meta like punishment for that, but I think in this case it works. The thing the thing that for me is that um, I need more detail on like why we should care because it sounds like the clone is similar enough to the original that any bullshit stuff done by the original that's done by the clone is going to be like. Does he have like an unnatural scheme or something? Maybe maybe a little more uh, stuff on what this because I had a, I had a similar issue with um, the one about the guys who rob casinos using their luck magic was that they weren't quite like sinister enough for me to care because I love like incompetent kind of pathetic villains but they do need to be at least somewhat threatening and I didn't quite get that from the unnatural person. I did think it was kind of kind of strange that the stat block for Hunting Horror just said reference to the shotgun scenario safe space. <laughs> Wait, really? No. Oh, no, you're doing a bit. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> it's a long train of reference other things. On all levels, I'm the cop in this scenario. He's tired. He works the night shift. He's just about to go home when these people fucking show up. It doesn't seem like there's much the players can do here other than realize the lore of sovereign citizens. Because that's like the solution, and I get that that's clever, but it feels like something that is very hard to make intuitive if not both the person running the game and the person playing the game are immersed in the lore. This is um, I just I just realized something about it. It's the two guards stand before you. One tells yes. only the truth, and the other one only tells lies. Sort of puzzle to work out, but I really like the solution to it. That you have to convince this man who's mistrustful of the government that he has to sign a form to some government authority. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just, that's just such a good ritual. I loved it so much. This one, uh, I think people told the author, was very unknown armies. And normally I think that you should ignore people when they say that because that's usually code for this is too much fun for Delta Green. But in this case, I really do see the similarities because this puts me very much in the mind of the possession and splitting effects from a scenario called Maria in Three Parts, which they released for Free RPG Day. I think that's a bad thing. I ran I ran Maria in Three Parts in Delta Green, and it was great. So I don't think it's a bad thing to remind me of that, but that's just the thing that I thought of just now. This might be another a good scenario when you like, say your normal team is you know four people and two don't show up or two are off for a holiday yeah. or something. This would be a great you know one or one or two person scenario because it doesn't require you know a ton of firearms. I, I do love the line you know much like the space shuttle won't 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 fly on fire. You know sh- killing the straw man is as easy <laughs> as shooting a handcuffed murderer in a police interrogation room and carries all the same consequences. That's like, good. It's not hard, but maybe want to double think it, you know? Yeah, it's good. That's a good idea to keep this one for a rainy day because um, it's not very complicated. And there's not a lot of consequences for, you know, failure in it. Yeah, it's probably not going to go super. You know, even if you do shoot the guy, as soon as it gets into sunlight, the course disappears. And then you can, in theory, you know, convince the tired cop that, like, he saw nothing and, you know, get the hell out of there. Oh, yeah. He's ready to go home, man. He's probably like, you know what? Nobody. Get out of here. <laughs> Look, buddy, you already filled out the arrest report. You dropped him off. This isn't your problem anymore. 
He's not in your custody. Okay. Um, next one. Next one. Uh, I only have four. So Max, what's your last one? Uh, my fifth is Operation Behandling Phantasm. Uh, this one is about a child who has a magical ghost pair bonded to her as a result of a secret experiment. And she just recently escaped from the abusive, like, ghost research lab and has wandered into a crowded mall. And then the ghost just killed a bunch of people. Meanwhile, the secret ghost technology is now in the hands of a petty crook who is about to get his own pair bonded super death ghost. The way I phrased it was that it's a childhood trauma victim battles out with a fucked up Pokemon. So this is pretty good, I guess. The thing that I re- I got out of this is that I I wish Tom was here because this scenario is quite similar to what he put together for If Only in My Dreams. In what ways? In that it is a the core of it is about a child with powerful psychic abilities who has been uh, not like raised very well or well socialized. Right. Uh, it's just like the girl in Stranger Things. I have not seen it. Oh, it's uh, uh, you've read this, so now you've seen Stranger Things. It's the same trans transitive property. One thing I like doing is applying a real world clock to something. So in this in this scenario, they have two hours of real time before a swap moves in and all hell breaks loose. So that because then it's like if you guys want to stick around and debate for ten minutes, it's your time to waste. I don't necessarily agree because I think this one has a strong enough investigative component that I would not characterize the stuff the players do as wasting time. I think that this scenario turns on its head the usual framework of a hostage crisis in Delta Green. I would say that 99% of the time in this genre, the players are going to know, oh, they're stalling for time, so they'll cast a magic ritual. We need to go tactical immediately. I think this is a case where people might actually hold off on immediately going in and rolling firearms. Which is good. Yeah, I agree. It has a lot of investigation. It has a... I mean, hypothetically, it has a combat encounter. There is a continuation of the investigation. There is the possibility of a happy ending, but you have to work for it. The thing that I would have done differently is that the monster's stat block has just too much shit in it. I think that it could have been made... They could just give give the dude fewer abilities, more focus on those abilities. Like, it's better to have a handful of really good things than a big list of things. And agreed. Yeah. The, the but then there's like you can you can find like quote unquote magic items that help you, but only if you do the investigation properly. So there's an incentive to actually go out and be a scientist instead of just being a a, a shoot man. So yeah, this this one um I'm pretty sure is also by obtuse. Yeah, I had the same suspicion. And this one is not as good as the Pisces Heist one, but I still like it. I thought that um, you mentioned the magic, the the tilling glass, tilling gas flashlights. They are conveniently inconvenient. Like if you get a hold of them, they're super useful, but it's really hard to get a hold of them. Like the craft rolls you have to make to create them is really um, makes it not likely in my book. Yeah, like it says, it, I'd change it a little bit. I'd make it probably easier for players to get those if they went through the proper investigation. Because it says you have to have like 70% in craft electronics or microelectronics. Yeah, that's pretty rare. Which is pretty up there, yeah. I think 60 is more appropriate because it's a multiple... Uh, so here, here's the thing. I think that sh- that skill thresholds should either be 40, because that's what you can get with two bonus skills, 50 
because that's what you can get if you take uh, a pick skill package from from a lot of character backgrounds, or sixty because that's what you get if you add twenty to forty, which is what a lot of the a lot of the classes get, or classes a lot of the professions get. I think that seventy is is is, is excessive. I will say that uh, Obtuse did go full melon bread this year and submitted two more scenarios than you did. Uh, yeah, he wow. submitted seven. Yeah, he had seven. Jesus, I didn't realize that. He must have also disguised some of his as non-obtuse scenarios. <laughs> it's, 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 some, this uh, is the new contest meta. Yeah, the new contest meta is just hiding your scenarios. <laughs> Formatting them differently than people think. Yeah, I like, I like this one. Okay, uh, the last one that I have to talk about is Death May Die. Uh, this one is a, uh, a Delta Green friendly who is a former Special Forces sniper. Uh, reaches out and says that he needs some help, and he doesn't really give any more details than that. And then when the agents get there, um, he tries to kill them on his isolated property. So earlier I mentioned that I was trying to judge shotgun scenarios not based on like what they are as they're written, but like if they inspire me to run them and what I would do if I was running them. And this is one of those. What makes like what what grabbed you about it? So, like, when you get there and you talk to him, like, the, the text says you get there and you talk to him a little bit, and then he, like, tries to, you know, kill you uh, above the ritual circle so that you feel the ritual. But um, I remember a Conan the Barbarian comic book where Conan is being sacrificed by the Red Queen or something like that, and it requires the blood of someone who has spilled blood. And that would be a good ritual component is when Va- Voss, the sniper man here, tries to talk to and engage the agents to see which one of them has spilled the most blood. So that's the one that he sacrifices. And you're just having dinner with this guy and he's getting progressively drunker while you talk to him about, you know, you, you trade war stories. And then um, he excuses himself to go to the bathroom and he goes through a tunnel to a sniper nest and he's drunk and he tries to shoot you then. And while you're while you're having the conversation with him, you can poke around his house and explore. Is that in the, is that in the scenario? No, no. This is what I would do if I was because that sounds it. that sounds way better than what's in the scenario. That's what I was saying. Yes, I would run this with that slight modification because otherwise, it's just you show up and he tries to kill you. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, I'm gonna say this. I love the idea of him like calling Delta Green and saying I've got a problem because he thinks he's gonna get like worthy warriors. And then Delta Green says, "Hmm, this guy's already an 80% firearm shoot man. So to solve his problem, he needs an anthropologist, <laughs> an electrician, a computer scientist, a bureaucrat, and a physician." Uh, yeah, just cover the spread. You know, whatever. If you got yeah, they just they just figure it. like he's got the guns covered, so just send him. You know, all the skills and shit. And then he's like, okay, which one of you is a worthy warrior that I can sacrifice for my magic ritual? Oh, I get any of you. See blood. Yeah. Are any of you adapted to violence? Do you have a do you have a do you have a single tick tick mark in adapted to violence? <laughs> okay. Um. Has have any of you ever read a sand roll? But okay. Um. And, and it just gets increasingly frustrated. The other thing that I thought was weird about it was that um, he can't be killed, and uh, his defenses are really strange. Um, uh, But that's because, as part of the scenario, um, he has, like, this night he has, like, some sort of magic ritual that's over him. Uh, Like, this particular night that the agents are meeting him. Yeah. On the midsummer solstice. But um, he, he, he just can't die. He takes, like, minimum damage and he regenerates hit points and things like that i'd i'd keep the regenerative aspect of it but i'd take away like him not being able to die yeah i fucking hate like aldi all this bullshit special damage resistant that's in delta green for every monster but here i get it because you know he could just be action economy to death 
Not he really. Could, he could be action economy to death. No. If, he, if, he, has, if he has an automatic weapon, he can kill the, the entire group in one hit. Well, he's got a sniper rifle, so he can't do that, but... Just just like, uh, just take just take an M14 with the fire selector forehead. There's no there's no penalty for recoil. With with my with my how I would run it, imagine like the guy goes to the can and he's been gone for a couple minutes and you're poking around and that's when you find that there's like a lump of C4. That's underneath. good. That's way better because as it stands, all this stuff is just like loot to find after you find some way to chip damage into death. There's like a lump of C4 underneath the table and and you're frantically trying to figure out who can disarm a bomb. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like. Got you know he finishes off his Jack Daniels and he's in his sniper's nest and he's about to take like the sniper shot that's gonna be uh you know automatic critical hit but he has a penalty to it because he's too drunk to hit yeah and then um it just becomes like a game of most most dangerous game where you're on his property and he has traps set up and you're trying to find him and, and stop him or you know just survive really yeah that's so that's 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 what inspired me out of this one I really liked the the concept and what it could be. There were, there were several Hunt the Super Soldier scenarios this year, and this one was not the one that I thought it was. I thought this one is the one with a guy who's like, he has superhuman intelligence, but a super short attention span, so he can solve any tactical challenge as long as it only takes him like a few seconds, otherwise he loses interest. I thought that one was super great because it was actually a really... A really uh, concrete way to depict like this guy's smarter than you but what does that actually mean in gameplay terms i remember that one yeah i don't remember what it was called though I'm trying to find it now um oh that was was that bill hook no no bill hook was another one of the false flag ones with the guy who's being blackmailed um I'm trying to remember what the other super soldier one was i think if we're gonna include someone who's got so much like plot or scenario armor this has got to be a better way to to deal with them okay it was operation buck run ah yeah i yeah. Oh, yeah. That one. That one kind of got to me though, um, because I didn't understand why when the players meet Packer, he's in cuffs. Why? Uh, yeah. And that one was one huge stat block, and um, also he doesn't have defenses against lethality attacks. But it was a cool one. Uh, with like you were saying, like how more he's more of an engaging soldier than this one was. Uh, but that's all I have for uh, my my list of what I would have voted for if I hadn't voted for myself. Yeah, I mean, it's had tons of scenarios. Tons of submissions. Um, really thrilled with how how we got, and we gotta shoot for you know a hundred next year. Oh, uh, if we're shooting for a hundred next year, we gotta do something different for <laughs> for voting, man. You gotta yeah, do I it know. like uh, yeah. like yeah, we let, did that other one. Let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about so how I I've thought I've thought about maybe doing like some sort of a bracket system, almost oh, like, like a March almost Madness, like, almost like playoffs. Like so, so there's seventy five. So uh, pretend it was an easier number to deal with. Pretend it was 80. 64. You know, it's March Madness. Yeah. You do, you know, tw- best out of 20, best out of 20, best out, of 20, best out of 20, and then you those go against each other. Something like that. What do you guys think? That'd be good. Um, I like the other method we had where we had the criteria, and when you submitted, you automatically uh, are obligated to read a certain number of other scenarios and then vote and also provide feedback. That was a good way to go about it. I forgot what was that the set piece contest that we did like that. We do, I, we do that for the summer contest because it's yeah. only submitters vote. I, I'm against that for the shotguns because I feel like it's some it's some definitely historically been a very community driven voting process. Like it's definitely the community's favorite scenarios rather than just people who wrote scenarios favorite scenarios. And I think this year at least a lot of people are providing feedback, so that's good because I think just a contest without feedback to me feels like a wasted um, wasted opportunity. But I do think there's a better way to do the. Yeah, we'll have to play with it more because um, 
I I don't know. I just the prospect of having to read 100 scenarios in order to be a dutiful voter sounds like a real pain in the ass. Because 75 was a lot. 75 was a lot. I mean, technically, people could have started as soon. You know, the first submission was the day the contest started, so you could have kept up with it. But yeah, that's what I did. It's still tough. I waited till they were all in, and then I dedicated to reading 10 a night. I think most people who voted probably did not read all of them. And I think most people who read some of them did not vote. I think that there was probably a lot of people who were turned off by the number of submissions and, and decided not to participate. Good point. I think that this was, this was an issue that we had with the microfiction contest was that we were we were concerned that uh, there would not that many, be that many votes. How many votes did we get for the microfiction contest? Uh, we had 19 people vote. Out of how many how many word submitters did we have? Um, I'm not sure how many submitters we had, but we had 50 submissions. Okay. I don't now, feel like uh, I don't I don't feel like totaling up the number of uh, people that submitted. Okay, I want to I want to say it was about 19 as okay. well. That's that's really discouraging. Like so I know some people that submitted didn't vote. That's that really sucks. But yeah, uh, I mean the the prospect of having to you know potentially read 100 kind of does turn off a lot of people. So uh, you know we have a year to figure it out though, Kevin. Yeah, I'm genuinely curious if people have suggestions because I don't have. A, if I had an answer, I'd, I'd tell you now. If you remove uh, the ability to submit more than one per person, how many submissions will we have this year? That's definitely an option. We would have 52. Okay, that's not actually that much better. Still, uh, still a lot, but only two thirds. Um, one thing I thought was was having people submit into categories, and then you know, I'm not sure what they'd be, but like gone, you know, like kind of like a little like Gonzo. Serious, or maybe you know Delta Green, you know, like other Ones like Pisces, heavy, heavy involving the Esper. meta plot. Yeah, because then someone could say, "Okay, I can't read them all, but I my favorite kind of stuff is Pisces in in, in other scenarios. I'll at least read all those and vote." Oh, like a tagging system would be good. Yeah, it's just to be really tough to develop it without because like, scenarios can. I'm always surprised by the types of scenarios you know, and people can write stuff that's different. So, like, how do you? creating boxes for some things that are out of the box. Uh, I don't know. Hey, we have a year. If you're listening to this and you have an idea about how to handle a contest with 75 plus entries, we'd like to hear about it. 